That was just a sample, a very small sample of the kind of enthusiasm and joy we had around here the last five days. And I hope you didn't mind uh, participating just a bit. As we begin, we wish you God's precious grace, mercy, and peace be multiplied unto each and every one of us from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The question today that God puts before us is, what do you value the most? What do you value the most? From the Old Testament lesson, Ecclesiastes, they used the word worthless, or what was the word they used? Pointless, pointless. Some translations uh, make that vanity uh, or uh, meaningless. The Hebrew word for that, a friend of mine tells me, because I don't know Hebrew, is hefel. It's breath. Picture a cold winter January day like we've all experienced here in Wisconsin, and you're inside, and you're nice and warm, and you go outside, and you take a deep breath, and you go, what do you see? Try to grasp it, and you can't. That's heffel. It's things that are, have no lastingness to them, like the bubbles that we did with the children. Maybe you've done that with your children or your grandchildren. It's a fun game to play, and they like to play. They like to try to chase the bubbles, but they can't hold on to them. That's Heppel. It's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. And what we've achieved, the writer to, the, uh, to Ecclesiastes said, it all goes to someone who may not have the knowledge of what to do with it. They don't know, or they're not wise enough. You toil your whole life, and everything is heffel. The good news we have to share with you today is God looked down in this world full of heffel, and he saw one thing that he valued enough to send his only son, Jesus Christ, to die for, and that was you. That was you. Jesus died for you. You are not Heffel. You are the most valuable thing in God's world. So I ask you again, what do you value most in your life? Huh. Some people might think about uh, things like uh, their house or their family their children, their grandchildren. Or because you're here in church, you might say, well, I value Jesus the most. Uh -huh. Maybe, maybe so. The gospel lesson brings us a story uh, in a parable. Uh, again, your translation did not use the word parable, but that's what Jesus told was a parable. A man jumped up in the middle of a conversation he was having to tell everybody what was going on, warning them against greed. And he said, tell my brother to divide the inheritance that we've received from my father. What do you suppose Jesus was supposed to say to him? He interrupted his whole conversation with the people he was teaching to try to get him to divide his inheritance. I ask you again, 
what do you value most? Would it bother you if you had a brother or a sister who was taking more than their fair share of inheritance? Or would you realize that's really just heffel? Here today and gone tomorrow. The writer to the Ecclesiastes says all of it is heffel. In the Old Testament book of Job, we come across a fellow who had lost everything. He had many children and they all were killed. He had many possessions and he lost them all. He had good health and he was destroyed. He was covered with boils. God said in the word it says from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet. And yet Job makes one of the most powerful statements about the resurrection found in Scripture. You remember the words. We read them around Easter. I know that my Redeemer lives and that in the end he will stand upon this earth and after my skin has been destroyed yet in my flesh I will see God. I myself will see him with my own eyes. I and not another. How my heart yearns within me. Job calls Jesus, his Redeemer, centuries before Jesus was born. And he confesses the resurrection which Jesus came to assure us of upon the cross of Calvary long before it ever happened. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Job knew that hundreds of years before it happened. That's what we place our hope of salvation in as well. Not all the things of this life. In our text today, Jesus came face to face with a man who clearly did not understand that. He wanted the fleeting things of life more than anything else. How was Jesus supposed to deal with him? He begins with these words. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. Jesus isn't just talking to the large crowd that had assembled there that day. He isn't even just talking to the man who wanted his inheritance, or his share of the inheritance. Jesus is talking to you and to me today as well, reminding us, Life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And Jesus is speaking about a sin that lies deep within each and every one of us. The sin is greed. Greed. Without greed, the casinos would have to close their doors and there would be no players of the lottery. Think about that for a second. Jesus had just spoken these words to the assembly, and he'd said this, Do not fear those who kill the body, and after that have nothing more they can do. But I warn you to whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. That's who we should fear. Greed and other sins of desiring possessions more than we desire our Savior, Jesus. You know, life isn't fair. 
even though we are Christians, we often seem to get the short end of the stick, as my mother used to say. Evil seems to win, and sometimes it seems like we're losing. Or at least the world seems to have that point of view. But in Christ, we have not lost. In Christ, we are winners. Regardless of how many possessions we have or don't have. Jesus uh, tells this parable then. A ground of a certain rich man produced good crops. He thought to himself, what should I do? I have no place to store up my crops. Notice Jesus calls the man rich before the harvest. He already had more than he needed before the harvest. And now he has more than he can even store up in his barns. I'd like to go a different direction than this with this particular text. A different direction than just talking about possessions. I want to talk about our faith. In baptism, perhaps for many of you, if not all, you became a child of God. And in that, you received all of the gifts that God has for you. Life eternal, the forgiveness of all your sins, and the assurance that he would be with you every day of your life. Today, we read God's word again. I expound on that word. We'll be coming forward and receiving the very body and blood of Christ for the forgiveness of sins. In a few weeks, we're going to have another baptism. Won't that be exciting? All of the blessings we need are ours already for our whole life. So what are you going to do with all the extra blessings God's pouring on us today through his word, through his sacrament? What are you doing with all those blessings? We need to ask ourselves three simple questions. What am I doing with all the blessings that God has bestowed on me? Am I willing to be satisfied with what he has given me? Number two. And number three, have I perhaps received so many blessings from God that I can share those blessings with others? In recent weeks, I've had the privilege of visiting some of the members of this congregation who can no longer come. They're shut-ins at home. Or perhaps they're living in a nursing home. Some of them can no longer talk. And this past Wednesday, we laid to rest Anita Resnick, one of those I was visiting. I think of myself, what a blessing God has given me that I'm able to have the health to go and see those people, to share God's word, and how much they appreciated the simplest prayers, hymns, blessing of Holy Communion. Jesus wanted the man, the man to see how foolish he was to focus on the things of this life which are nothing but breath. 
Huffle. Bubbles. Air frozen for a moment in a cold day. He wanted him to focus instead on his eternal blessings that he had as a gift from God. To share his love with those who didn't know Jesus. And those who have yet to hear of what Christ has done for us. One of the richest men alive today, I believe, is a man by the name of Bill Gates. You may have heard of him. He was asked one day if he was content with what he had. He said, well, if I have a little more, then I'll be content. Obviously, Mr. Gates never heard or perhaps forgot the words of Martin Luther, who declares in the first article explanation, God has given me my body and soul, eyes, ears, and all my members, my reason and all my senses, and still takes care of them. Also clothing and shoes, meat, drink, house, home, wife, children, fields, cattle, and all my goods. And all this purely out of fatherly divine goodness and mercy, without any merit or worthiness in me. Does Bill Gates know what the second article says? The creed? Jesus Christ has redeemed me a lost and condemned person, purchased and won me from sin, death, and the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy, precious blood and his innocent suffering and death. Without faith in those words, I'm afraid Bill Gates' possessions, whether he gets a little more or has to be settled with what he has, are worthless. Hubble, only breath, nothing more. If we examine the words of Jesus in the parable, we notice that the man used the I word a lot. He says, I or my, 12 times in those few verses. My crops, I will build, I will store, my grain, my goods, my soul. He totally missed the point that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. What you and I claim to be ours is God's. Gifts to us, yes, but it belongs to God. Even in difficult times, Paul declares, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Paul was in prison when he wrote those words about contentment. You and I are here today comfortably sitting on padded pews, not in prison. Are we content? Are we pleased and happy with God, what God has given us? Or do we want a little more? And then we'll be content. What do you value most in life? What do you value most in life? The answer has to be Jesus Christ and the faith he has planted in our hearts. And the blessing is we have it in abundance. And so we can take that abundant faith and share it with those 
who don't know him, who have never met Jesus, as we were privileged to do this week with the children. Some of them knew Jesus, some of them perhaps not so much. And we were privileged to share that love. What a joy to tell people about what Jesus has done for me and for you and for all people because of his great love for us. May God help you this week to find someone who doesn't know Jesus and share from that abundance he has given you the knowledge of your Savior. Amen. We join in confessing our faith in the words of our Nicene Creed. It's printed in your worship guide. Please rise and join me in that confession. 